You are now listening to Out of the Blank. Welcome to another episode of Out of the Blank Podcast. I'm here with Al Ashwith. That's right. So, Al, please tell me a little bit about yourself. And I, I'm guessing you're from the UK. I am from the UK. I live in London. I'm originally uh, from Yorkshire, which is a county in the north of, London, uh, north of England. Um, I am 48 years old. Um, he's, he's, sing he's single. He's single. <laughs> and... Um, I have been a teacher for many, many years. Well, I, whenever I talk to someone from the UK or someone not really from America, I always have to say one thing. Why do you guys drive on the wrong side of the road? <laughs> I think you'll find that's you. I think that's exactly. the answer you always get as well, yeah. That's always the answer I get, and I'm just like, yeah, okay. Well, <laughs> stick to my wrong ways. It seems to be working. But So uh, what do you exactly do you teach? I am a physics teacher. Ooh, all right. So, uh, high school, high school physics teacher. Now, how did you get into being a high school physics teacher? Were you just something you wanted to do as a kid? Um, I was, I was quite um, shy as a kid. Didn't really know. I couldn't make any decisions for myself. Didn't. I was just drifting through life basically. And um, I think it's really depressing to say, but uh, my mother had to kind of take charge of my decision making in that regard. I think she decided it was a good idea. Um, Probably so I could earn some money. Physics was a, a degree that you could do anything after. Um, but I became a teacher instead. <laughs> now, is this like, so what types of stuff have you learned kind of teaching this to these high school students? Because, I mean, that's not an easy, first of all, grade level to be teaching. A lot of them are just kind of, they have to swear your hormones are raging. You're kind of just like, I don't even need anything this fucking teacher's saying. I I started, I've been to teaching in two schools. I started in a quite a rough school um, with not a lot of support. So I kind of had to learn very quickly how to manage the kids. My, my secret weapon, I think, is you have to have a personality. Um, and you have to, it's, it's, it's one of those um, really obvious things until uh, that you have to be told, but you just have to treat the kids as normal human beings. It's funny because I actually found the one class I really liked was like physics because my teacher made it very, very fun and interesting uh, with explosions such as using like chemical elements. I remember he mixed um, some type of acid with uh, some type of regular cleaner that you wouldn't think of, like some Windex or something. And it made this giant bubbling volcano. And he's like, oh, that, was, that was probably chemistry rather than physics, but. Well, it, 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 like, yeah, oh, he just did it anyway. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Like it was like trying to get everyone like inspired into like kind of learning a little bit. And then he taught us a lot about like gravity and stuff. Um, kind of like dealing a little bit with like, Hey, like we have this balloon and if you fill it with this type of air, it's a little bit different from this, maybe like helium or something where you see the common balloons that float up in the store. And if you fill it with oxygen, it actually, the oxygen doesn't even let it fly, fly up. It just stays on the ground. Yeah. 
So I mean, that's uh, the uh, teaching in this science teaching in this country uh, is all about getting as many experiments in as possible and practical aspects like that. So that's that's very common um, in schools in this country. Because um, it's easier to show somebody than rather sit there and preach it to them. Oh, absolutely. Like, they're just sitting there like, what the hell do you mean? Is What's a neuron bond? And you're like, I don't know what that is. But if you can show them with a video, that's why Bill Nye is so popular. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And and that's what we practice doing. That's what you have to practice doing. Just to, it, That is, in essence, what teaching is. Just taking an idea and presenting it in a way that is simple to understand step by step one thing following from another that applies to any kind of teaching what is the what is the one thing if you would have to say is like probably the worst thing about teaching for you um <laughs> that i really want to be doing something else <laughs> really okay so what <laughs> <laughs> what are you what are you interested in going into because oh, well i've always wanted to be a writer um that's something I'm kind of expanding now with my podcast and that's what I really want. I, I have a very big creative side. I'm not really a, <laughs> I'm not really a uh, science brain thinker. I'm more of a creative brain thinker. It's funny because a lot of people are like, but teacher is such a good job. It's such a thing. I'm like, yeah, but it's, it was, it's like you were saying before, it was kind of picked like thrown into your lap a little bit. Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, it's, it's interesting for sure. There's definitely like, you have to have a personality like you were saying, but it's not meant for everyone. It's a day job, you know, day jobs, a lot of the times aren't something that you're really wanting to do. It's just kind of there to give you a paycheck. That's right. So what types of, um, how did you get interest? First of all, tell me a little bit about your podcast. So you got the strange circle podcast, the strange circle horror podcast. Yeah. So it is a narrative podcast. Um, I'm not really sure why I started to do it. I've been listening to podcasts for a number of years now, really wanted to do one. And most of the ones I was listening to, I'm actually really obsessed with American politics, actually. I listen to, um, my favorite podcast is Muller, She Wrote, um, which is a kind of comedy dissecting American politics. It's because I can't listen to our own politics at the moment because it's just so depressing. So I just listen to yours, basically. Um, which is depressing for you, but... Not for you because And so I didn't have anyone to do it with. I didn't have anyone to talk to, you know, like a conversational podcast. So I've always, you know, I've always written horror short stories. That's been something throughout my life. So I kind of just played around with it and came up with... I kind of made it up on the spot, to be perfectly honest, and, and wrote it very, very quickly. Didn't know what I was doing. Dude, my my podcast started. It was just me and my buddy talking <laughs> about the nicest place to take a shit. <laughs> well, he works HVAC, and I work in a hotel. So we had, you know, I have, during the wintertime, access to every single room that's just empty. So I, I made it my mission to crap in every single room <laughs> in each one of the hotels. That was an accomplishment in my life. I hold that over my, I hold that over my uh, college department. Absolutely. It is those moments in life that make life magical and worthwhile, I think. I love it how I tried to tell my mom about it at the dinner table, and she's just like, you think that's an achievement? I'm like, for fuck, what? Yes, it is. Are you yeah. kidding me? But my buddy- you got to have personal goals, yeah. 
my buddy is um he's an HVAC technician, so like you know he's in people's homes when they're not there, and he talks <laughs> he talks about like all these crazy stories that you can probably talk to any HVAC person. They'll tell you like how many times they probably get caught taking a shit. You know, when they're leaving the house, the person walks in their house. You're like, all right, your AC's fixed. Bye. You drive off. They're smelling Febreze and everything. Like, you just <laughs> lit a candle and had a good time in their bathroom. <laughs> I, I see that you find with, um, like, especially if you do a podcast by yourself and you're not trying to work off anybody else, there's a little bit of a downside because you don't have um, – you kind of have Any to create feedback. Yeah, but you have to <laughs> you have to try and keep the conversation going yourself, which gives you a limited really amount on the time frame. They don't tend to last super super long like hours just because you're just sitting there spouting information and you also have to be able to create a list and kind of structure your show a little bit. Well, mine's all scripted anyway, so I'm not uh, when I said I made it up on the spot, I mean I'm I wrote it very very quickly, so it's always scripted. Um and to begin with, I thought 20 minutes was going to be too short, but it's worked out quite well, apparently. From the little feedback that I have, that what was mentioned about feedback, I'm absolutely shocked at how little feedback you get doing podcasts. It's bizarre. Yeah, I started realizing like a lot of people are like, man, your podcasts are an hour, two hours long. And I'm like, yeah, because they're conversations and they're all, yeah. not, nothing's written down. It's all improv. It's just talking. It's people having conversations. Like if we bumped into each other on the street, but I find my audience is like a lot of them are people that are sitting at work that <laughs> should be doing something like their job <laughs> rather than listening to a podcast. I had one dude <laughs> driving a forklift and listening to my podcast i'm like you gotta what are you doing like, you gotta pay attention i like, guess but also the business person that takes a car trip you know uh two yeah. hours three hours commute or an hour and a half from their home to work every single day oh i love i love a good podcast a long podcast yeah absolutely but uh so what types of what through your podcast what types of things do you focus on that you're super interested in uh to do with horror you mean yeah, because you said horror, but that's a broad yeah. topic. Are we talking about serial Okay, well, I've always, I've always had um, – there is, there is a, a philosophical belief called Gnosticism. That's with a G at the beginning um, that I've always been fascinated with. It started when um, someone gave me a copy of a role-playing game called Cult that was written in Sweden. I think it was Sweden in about 1990. Um, I think it got a lot of bad press for, for – getting people involved in cults and suicide and that kind of thing. But it's basically the concept that, um, but it's a real, it's a real um, philosophical belief that God is actually not very nice and um, has imprisoned, it has imprisoned us all um, in the physical world, essentially it's matrix has taken an awful lot of that kind of um, mythos in what it did um so i've and i base i i base my universe if you like on that central idea that god is imprisoning us in a physical yeah. world and there's a whole there is a whole philosophical backstory uh, that you can you know if you if you google it on wikipedia there's a there's a creation myth as to why to why that is the case it's it ties in for example with uh, the idea that the old testament god and the new testament god seem like completely different people um, oh, gods, if you like. And it's the Old Testament god that uh, is running the show, so to speak. And the New that Testament was, god... 
the New Testament God was essentially Jesus was there to try and pull us out of that. If you if you want to believe that sort of things, do you now is is this like one of your uh, kind of your most interesting ones you've looked up or ones that you find probably the most passionate you want to get talking about? Because, I mean, I'm looking at some of your episodes. Like, you have a couple. I know you've talked about the Ouija board. Well, I haven't – I don't kind of talk about it um, explicitly. It is underlying in the universe that I'm trying to create. I, I'm very interested in kind of creating, like, a shared universe where all my stories um, exist in the same place uh, and also playing around with the idea – that something, uh, something that is made up might not be made up. Um, I mean, Ouija boards are scary. First of all, they sell those things at Toys R Us. Okay. Yeah. That, and well, uh, hold doing on, research hold on. on that was great. The, 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 I don't know if you saw the picture, but they make a pink one for young yeah. girls. And it's it's fu- just it's, astounding. It's funny. In this, con- in this on, country, that- well, yeah, you got it. We got to take turns. <laughs> but with, in, the, um, in the UK, they're not sold at all. Uh, they're not toys in the UK. All right. Well, hold on. Uh, with the Ouija board, it's funny because it's ages eight and up to just to play. So you have to be eight years old to summon the devil, which is a little bit crazy. But uh, however, it's- however, though, when you look at when you look at the history, the history is not very old. The history goes back. I cannot remember my research now, but it's the seventeen or eighteen hundreds. So it is not inherently a mystical ancient object. Um, it's an example of. Uh, everyone agreeing that something is scary and it actually imbues it with power itself. It's, it's a, a thought form. It's actually becoming real. Yeah. I think like there's a lot of weird stuff. First of all, did you know they used to, they used the Ouija board to try and summon the devil in a government experiment. Now when they show a Ouija board in a movie, they actually only show like maybe an idiot teenager or a bunch of uh, girls at a sleepover trying to summon you know, a demon, but you never would think that they would have literally a government experiment trying to test if they can actually bring a spirit into the physical world. I would believe that the government has done anything, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> Do you think that it there is a type of thing out there, like a spiritual plane or a type of existence that could kind of be a ghost? Because a ghost can kind of be, they talk about two forms, okay? They're talking about like the spirit, you know, the looming around left on earth or something, or is it a memory? Um, I okay. I am a kind of an anti-skeptic. I tend to want to believe in all of these things, um, although obviously my science training kind of kicks in at some point. Um, I do believe, yeah, absolutely. I believe. I believe that we have a separate soul than our bodies, and I believe that something happens to it when you die. I'm not necessarily saying that ghosts are like that. I think there's a lot of different theories to what ghosts could be. But is but, it a yeah. is it a memory? What are you what are you trying to say you believe in? Is it a, is it like a free roaming spirit? Like if just if we die oh, I, I don't know. I don't know. I believe in them because I've had two two experiences that that made me believe in them. Um well you gotta share them. You can't just <laughs> put them out there. They were they weren't visual ones, they were auditory ones. Um the first, this is long story short, so the first was I was um with one of my best friends at school, this was during high school, and he used to live in a farmhouse in the middle of absolutely nowhere. So there was no sounds coming from anywhere. And we happened to be at home, um, just the two of us, standing in the front hall. And I'd read lots of books about how to hunt ghosts and all that kind of stuff. And they said that if you, if you create a spooky atmosphere, 
it's more likely that it will trigger some kind of ghostly occurrence. And there was a baby in the house, so we got the baby's musical box, and it was completely silent. In the middle of the day, this was completely silent. And we turned on the musical box, and we just stood there with this thing going ding, 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 ding. So it was incredibly creepy. Dude, Jack in the Box, that was a terrible invention for kids. Uh, You (laughs) savage for parents. And then we started hearing what was like a muffled conversation that we couldn't quite, you know, when a conversation is a few rooms away and you can't make out what they're being said. Yeah. uh, coming, Coming from the top of the house. And there was no way that this was anybody in the house or anybody next to the house or whatever, because we were just completely alone. Um, and then the dog went completely apeshit and started barking and ran to the closed kitchen door, started snuffling underneath it, and it appeared to chase something out of the house towards the front door. And after he'd reached the front door, it all stopped. And, I, and it was the first time I understood like that an atmosphere can change like that. It became like a normal atmosphere afterwards. Yeah, if you ever watch like a scary movie, the weirdest thing is they always say like when a spirit comes in that the room goes cold. It wasn't a temperature thing. It was just literally. I know, but if maybe, maybe, maybe it was like I didn't feel danger anymore. Maybe it was like an instinctual thing. Yeah, but that that's in what your experience is in the same relation with like kind of the the temperature changing because it's a, the yeah, environment's yeah. just physically changing you know whether it's an actual temperature drop or just an overall ease or something emotion in the air because i mean you know when you watch a movie you set your room up for like a good ambiance <laughs> to actually be able to sit down and pay attention to the movie yeah. you know you get that atmosphere light a couple candles if you're watching a horror film turn the lights off and get scared so it's like it's weird to think that like how many times have you went into a room and it's just you in there and you feel like somebody's watching you. Mm. Like you feel that looming over your shoulder a little bit. Mm. I've, I felt that a couple times. I'm not saying I don't know if that's ghosts or anything like that. But it's weird to understand like, you know, sometimes your hair stick up in your arm when it starts like to sense danger or something's like, you know, it, something. there's like a shift in the air. It's like even if the temperature didn't change, could it be a spirit? It could. I, I, I... I um, it could be many things. Is is the answer? I I uh, you remind me of um, I'm going to forget his name now, which is irritating. But there's a there's a fringe scientist, um, oh Rupert Sheldrake, I think his name is, um, who does work on areas of science that other people don't really touch. It's it, from reading him, it's apparent that there's a lot of snobbery in the scientific community about, for example, parapsychology and and um, doing experiments that would have questionable um, reasons for happening. One example is, he, he, no one actually repeats his experiments, so this isn't like a scientific paper or anything, but he's had a successful experiment where he's um, analysed if you, you can tell someone is staring at you, um, and with positive results. Hmm. I mean, that does make sense. I mean, how many times are you staring at somebody and they immediately look up or you get the feeling someone's watching you, then you look up at someone's, you get the awkward eye contact where you you meet their eyes and then they have to look away because like, oh shit, I was looking at that person. So he designs these experiments so to to remove any 
any kind of, oh, you've seen them out of the corner of your eye, all that kind of stuff. So he designs very clever experiments. But yeah, he's got positive results of that. The other one he's done is experiments into whether your pets can really tell if you're coming home. Hmm. You know, how, how dogs will wait at the window. Yeah, isn't that like a weird, like kind of supernatural thing that pets can do too? Like pets are known to see ghosts. Pets are known to like dogs and, you know. Well, they're not known to see ghosts. We just think they're seeing ghosts. I mean, there's no proof of anything. How do you know though? Because I'm pretty sure when my grandma passed away and my golden retriever was sitting by the door with a leash in its mouth, he saw her. You you hear some evidence like that. I think it's crazy because it seems like pets can also detect when a storm is coming. It's this is this is the irritating thing about the scientific community. This is why science will never, ever, ever prove that ghosts exist or that dogs can see ghosts because people. Um, I think you're obviously saying that you do believe in ghosts. Is that right? I'm saying I'm open-minded, and apparently, yeah. I've had a couple experiences as a child that I didn't know about until I got older, where my mom was like said something and i was like what do you mean that person didn't exist they're like that was a woman that died or i don't know if she's messing with me <laughs> I, I can tell like i podcast with people that tend to have like talk about having psychic abilities i've done some shit myself that i can't explain uh my family like on my mom's side she's in a hundred percent belief of it um because she's been able to do some shit that like will blow your mind like be mm-hmm. able to there was a girl that was missing when i was a little kid and my mom had a dream about her and it was at this point the parents were looking for the body and my mom ran to my dad and my dad's not any type of psychic ability believer at all and he's he believed ever after this moment where she was like this is her location call it wow. in they called it in anonymously they found the girl's body exactly where they said my mom said it was and my mom yeah. said she had a dream that the girl came to her and told her now i was a kid and i was like i had no idea what was going on but then i recently like a year uh, almost a year ago had a dream myself where i saw this like it was a really powerful nightmare and i woke up went downstairs and kind of explained it to my mom and she was like do me a favor i was like what's up she's like um look at this photo and tell me if this is the guy you uh, dreamt of and she showed me a photo of some random guy i've never seen before but it was the guy from my dream and i said yeah and she goes tell me exactly where you saw it and I said, I saw it at um, this like channel, this little like kind of near a canal. Um, he was laying in like some marsh kind of part. And she goes, okay. And then walked away. Next thing I know, Whoa. she tells me later, like I think like a day or so later, that they found the guy exactly in that kind of description of an area, what I said. And I kind of was like, what? And she was yeah. like, she, she, like, she used to watch the movie Ghost or TV show Ghost Whisperer. Mm-hmm. And I've explained it a couple of times on my podcast, but um, she met the guy and the guy's full into psychic abilities and beliefs and all these types of things. And um, I do believe that everyone does have like what they call a sixth sense um, a little bit. I think I, after podcasting with someone that is a psychic believer as well, uh, she kind of said that it lies dormant in us all. And only some people are, have the ability to tap into it because of how yeah, I, I agree. I, I, I believe that too. Yeah, I mean, it's, 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 I'm, like I said, I try and stay open minded when it comes to everything religion because it just gives me better ground to understand more individuals than closing myself off. Absolutely. Got to have an open mind. Otherwise, you're a Republican. 
Oh God. Well, it explains (laughs) why would you ever close your mind off to something so interesting, like maybe the paranormal or supernatural? Like, I think, I think it's fear. I think the only reason to close your mind is fear, um, fear of change and fear of the unknown. I think people that are closed minded are just happy with their, their worlds and do not want to know anything else about it. My buddy uh, considers himself like a scientist. He's like, evidence, that's all he needs, evidence. If it, there's no evidence, and it doesn't matter. And I'm like, all right, man. Well, um, well I don't think that was what I was saying earlier. I, there is not going to be any scientific evidence ever of the paranormal. There's also all, not going to be any all the evidence. All the evidence is anecdotal, and it doesn't matter how much anecdotal evidence you collect. That is not scientific proof. Um, so I, I'm, I'm not holding out any hope for the scientific community at all. Exactly. Well, it's the same thing with um, religion. There's never going to be any evidence on it. So it's like they can't prove it wrong and they also can't prove it right. Yeah, but you don't need to prove religion wrong because it's not supposed to be a science. So yeah, religion but how many is what times, religion is. Yeah, but how many times do you get into an argument with someone who is religious and they immediately go, you're wrong, you're wrong. I know it's right. God is real. God isn't, you know, God isn't your description of him. He's this description. I'm like, God could be Morgan Freeman. You don't know. Yeah, but you can't argue with someone with a closed mind. That's the point. Yeah, but see, that's that's the that's the thing I'm trying to get here. A lot of people are very closed-minded into other people's beliefs. It's like, doesn't it make more sense just to be open-minded because mystery is the one thing we're all kind of wanting in life? Like, you want to know the mystery to things and, like, try and work every single day trying to uncover it, but then once you get the answer, you're never really satisfied. I, I totally agree with that. I think that's what has... I think that's what led me to the horror genre in the first place. When I, I, I just remember being little thinking, I believed in everything. I believed in magic and I believed in oh anything. Um, and it was very real to me. How have you and, not done any podcasting on the witch trials? <laughs> well, uh, I don't know. Exactly. I just gave you an idea for your next episode. <laughs> Dude, I'm telling you, like, it, I heard a joke. Someone was like, at what, there were so many people that weren't witches that were getting killed. It was like, yeah. eventually the husband just wanted a new wife. So he was like, she's a witch. And they ended up taking her and throwing her off her bridge. I was like, dude, that had to have happened. Some dude didn't get his sandwich sliced right and just, just chuck your wife off a cliff, call her a witch. Well, I think most of it was. I think that's that aspect of horror, you see, that is the most horrific to me the stuff that's actually human beings being nasty to each other like that that i that's why i wouldn't touch that subject (laughs) because it's it's really it's really it makes me feel very uncomfortable like it's funny because i like scary movies but i don't ever really get scared you know what honestly scares me is after taking psychology mental health issues yeah Serial killers, like serial killers in a in a horror movie, that scares the shit out of me because I know people can be like that. Yeah. You know, watching documentaries on serial killers that scares me. But like watching all the stuff that is now, like jump scares, I'm like, all right, man. Like, how can this even well, be a horror movie? So there's a serial killer in my in my podcast. That that's the fir- one of the first narratives that I use. What do you mean? There's a serial killer in your podcast? Uh, so it's a sequential. So I have uh, storylines that 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 run throughout the whole thing. They're not individual episodes. Oh, so it's like a never-ending kind of unraveling. It is a never-ending thing that I now cannot stop because <laughs> it's gone too far. But yeah, one of the storylines involves a serial killer. 
Well, try explain it to me. Don't just leave me hanging on one of the storylines. There's a serial. Well, I'm not going to give it away, but um, I kind of start the narrative when he's stalking his next victim, um, and the first episode is called "The Song and the Dance" because he has this tune that plays in his head as soon as he sees someone that he's got to kill, um, and the tune will not stop until. He's met them and danced with them, which involves holding them by the neck. Oh my goodness! <laughs> uh, did you find like this? Like this is obviously something you're interested in, but like, how did you get into writing horror? Like, how did you? I don't know. Dive I down do the rabbit hole. I okay. You can't I just, used to you be. Go, you couldn't have just woken up and been like, "I'm no. going to write about a serial killer choking." <laughs> I, as a kid, my dad used to read horror stories. And there was a big bookshelf down the passageway that led to my bedroom. And you know how horror books always have like black covers with the like scary images on the front. I used to be absolutely terrified of them because I used to have nightmares. I used to like have night terror night kind of nightmares. Um, and I don't know what made me do this. We, we um, This is going to sound incredibly England, but... Um, at the end of my road was a medieval castle. <laughs> wow, you went there. And well, that's where I used to play as a kid. But when it was dark, it was absolutely terrifying. And I remember I used to have to walk up the hill past it to my, to my grandmother's house. This sounds like a fairy story. Um, and I never used to look at it because I thought if I look at it, I'm going to see something. But I, I, I remember being left, it was the first time I must have been left alone when I was about six, 15 or 16 or something. And I decided in the middle of the night, I was going to break in and just explore in the dark. And I think I must have cured myself of, of, <laughs> of every, and I kind of flipped. The kind of fear about horror turned into an obsession about horror. And when I, I actually spent a, univer, uh, uh, a year of my university in Berkeley, California, um, and was introduced to Stephen King. Great and, horror writer. And I am I was totally obsessed with I'm totally obsessed with his work. <laughs> do you find that like you like to write a little bit more or do you even do any research on actual serial killers cuz like I've looked up a few and it's it's interesting to watch their documentaries and kind of not really just how they did it but the amount of like lack of emotion they don't show and that's the i do watch I, I don't i research as in watching things yeah like you say and it is that lack of emotion that is the it's the sign of a sociopath and and well that's when they're when they get convicted of something like this they have a psychologist come in and trying to analyze them and it's really weird because to prove that somebody's mentally insane you have to like kind of watch for signs if they show any signs of remorse because if you don't show signs of remorse it means that there's something psychologically wrong with you and that that goes down to a whole nother rabbit hole man i mean i got obsessed with like government experiments and like i don't know if you know anything about mk ultra mm -hmm. yeah 
Yeah, I mean, that stuff's crazy. The fact that they were like, one of the cures for schizophrenia, I mean, a multiple personality disorder is ECT, which is electroconvulsive therapy. You're literally shocking someone. So when they start to show symptoms or uh, types of starting on of this disease, that um, it shocks it out of you. Like, you know, if a dog runs past a certain point in the fence, it gets hit by a shock collar or something. It's just to teach it that way. And you're doing that to people. Yeah. I'm pretty sure if you did any of the government's experiments and just turned it into a movie, you'd get a number one hit. <laughs> been men, done before. It's been done before. Men who stare at goats, like that was an actual government program. Yeah. Thought yeah. I haven't seen that actually. Are you serious, dude? Mm. I watched that movie, then found out ten years later that my mom went to that high school and I live an hour and a half away from <laughs> that place. Well, hence her strange dreams, presumably. Ah, I don't think my I don't, I don't think she was involved in the goat thing. That was all military no. people taking LSD and going ham on some goats. <laughs> I think it's funny that like all the evidence we have now on so much stuff, like we're calling so much stuff a conspiracy, calling so much stuff like, oh, it's fake, that's fake, whatever. I'm like, but then 10 years from now, it's going to be proven that it was right all along. Yeah, it can't, it can't all be fake. Yeah, I mean, I, I still like there's a fascination when it comes to trying to understand like the paranormal and stuff, man. Yeah. I mean, just the, the amount like your brain can play tricks on you, like auditory hallucinations. Like if you're mm-hmm. in a dark environment, like, you know, kids experience it when they're in their bed or something and they start seeing shadows crawling across the wall. Like, I mean, that's crazy stuff right there. Equally, uh, uh, this ties in with the, the the other side of it, almost the physics side of it. The the actual implications of of quantum physics. I know this has been in the media a lot with the Big Bang theory, but the whole you know the whole uh, Schrodinger's cat thing and things like that. The actual, it's like this this shared secret with a physicist that they don't think about it too much. They know quantum physics exists and they know how to manipulate it and they they know certain phenomena that works, but the actual ramifications of that whole observer can affect reality thing is is too big to think about. It's very, that's scary in itself. And, and I, I, I don't know, I, I, kind of, I kind of hope or maybe believe that, that quantum physics will be the, the point at which we, it will marry um, science with, with the paranormal, maybe. I know lots of charlatans use that as a, quantum physics is the answer to everything, but... Um, there is something about quantum physics which is inherently spooky. We need to get Neil deGrasse Tyson, Morgan Freeman, and <laughs> one more smart guy in a room to understand, like Ghostbusters scenario, just to try and figure all this <laughs> stuff out. I think they could definitely give us the evidence we need. Maybe so. Well, hey, man, I appreciate you doing the podcast, dude. It's awesome talking with you, man, for real. I want to give you here a minute at the end to kind of promote your content. Thank you very much. Yeah, so um, the Strange Circle Horror Podcast, you can find that at strangecircle.org. That's about it, really. Please sign up and listen and get scared. Yeah, get scared out of uh, your uh, scaredy pants, I guess. (laughs) have no clue or just like go to a medieval castle apparently he lives like yeah from one (laughs) yeah it's true sounds like i made that up but no it's true (laughs) dude i get scared of the person that says they're gonna live by a cemetery i'm like why why would you ever (laughs) cemeteries aren't that scary to me if there's gonna be ghosts don't normally hang around cemeteries i don't think 
Isn't that their home? No, that's the home of their bodies. Yeah, but you don't want to go near a cemetery because that's like the first thing if a zombie apocalypse happens. That's true. Then you're that's, screwed. That is true. That would be that would be bad for zombie apocalypse. You wouldn't have time to go anywhere. 